Thank you again for joining Inside the Room with myself, yours truly, State Representative Brandon McGee, where we will discuss politics, leadership, and culture. So join me in gathering people from all walks of life to gain perspective on how we can educate and uplift our communities. A few days have passed since the swearing in of our President Joe Biden and our beautiful, immaculate, and very well-dressed, if I must say, Kamala Harris uh, just this past week. It was ab absolutely, for me, it was a moment. I, I, I could remember sitting at my office. I was literally in a Zoom call and I have on the TV the inauguration and just sitting there watching history uh, being made before my eyes. And it was, um, it was a moment. It was a moment. And y'all know it was a moment. You know it was a moment. I know it was a moment. And just seeing Kamala... Obviously, President Biden, but seeing Kamala walk with her husband to be sworn in and just that proud, very proud look on her face and what she in that moment stood for. Yo, that was so very powerful. But anyway, anyway, anyway. So a few days have passed since they're swearing in. And, um, you know, we know that President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris um, have both joined in on the signing of a slew of executive orders and calling on Congress to confirm uh, their cabinet nominees as quickly as possible. And we all understand how important those nominations are, right? It, it sort of affords them the opportunity to get business done, essentially. And we, we, we know how important that is. Um, so, so we're going to talk about a lot of that. Um, we're going to unpack all of that. So, you know, during this episode, I'd like to discuss with you inside the room the important aspects of the inauguration, historical events, uh, and the immediate changes that have uh, essentially taken place in reverse in many of the executive orders that the previous administration number 45, um, put in place. But before we even get into sort of the nitty gritty of this episode, did y'all see the memes of our boy, our leader, none other than Bernie Sanders? Like, yo, <laughs> it was absolutely amazing. And for my Twitter followers, follow me at Rep B McGee. He actually was trending before the president, y'all, like, <laughs> it was amazing. Um, so, nonetheless, Bernie Sanders, y'all see him, he's here. Yes, he's with me in spirit. Um, but just to shift your focus on some of the more or the many salient moments of the inauguration, um, I want to highlight Amanda Gorman's presentation. The young lady who stood sort of in the spirit of Dr. Maya Angelou. And she conveyed to us a very timely message. And I want to share just a phrase that stuck out to me. 
uh, during her presentation. And, and I quote, We've learned that quiet isn't always peace. And the norms and notions of what just is, isn't always justice. Let me let that resonate a little bit. Like that 20-something-year-old stood before probably several hundred people in person due to COVID, but millions of people who viewed the inauguration. She was able to communicate so powerfully the importance of not being quiet on important issues that impact all of us. We call it speaking truth to power, right? Amanda, thank you so very much for speaking your truth to power and allowing for your words to resonate on so many millions of people who viewed the inauguration. Uh, so thank you so very much. But as you know, President Biden, he quickly got to work. Uh, we all know that earlier this month, Biden announced his intention for the 1.9 trillion, that's with the T, trillion COVID relief plan that includes, and I want to break it down for you, $1,400 per person payment to households. Did you hear me? $1,400. On top of the recently passed $600 check. Now, you've seen memes and Facebook posts going around, you know, talking about the importance of the $2,000 check. I'm still, I'm, I'm here for it. Like, $2,000 means a lot to the American people, all right, who during this pandemic have either lost a job or, or shifting sort of their budgets around to accommodate more food in the refrigerators, connectivity, Wi-Fi, or just simply trying to make ends meet. So $600, $1,400, all of that, it's just a drop in the bucket. The American people are in a space and time where they need the financial support in order to make it happen. So I'm here for the $1,400 per person payment to most household on top of the $600. We also know that there was a, a $400 boost to weekly unemployment through September and an expanded child tax credit. All right. So just kind of giving you some high level updates on what Biden is doing and what he has pledged alongside our vice president, Kamala Harris. Um, this plan also sets the federal minimum wage at $15 per hour. Yes, for all of my progressive friends, we know that $15 an hour, it doesn't even meet or it doesn't even stand a chance in this ever um, sort of changing environment with respect to the cost of living changing. And we know $15 is sort of behind the eight ball, uh, if I were able to kind of represent it that way. Uh, but kudos to the present president and the vice president recognizing that $15 per hour is important. And they also earmarked 
20 billion for a national COVID coronavirus 19 vaccine program. All right. We talked about it on our last episode, the importance of the black and brown communities doing your homework, but also understanding, understanding, excuse me, the importance of the vaccination. All right. So we want to take advantage of these programs that are financially supported by the federal government, that being President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. And also a 15 or 50, five zero billion dollar uh, investment for testing in communities, all right? We know from my folks who are watching that are from the Connecticut area, there are many, many, many federally qualified health centers that have been holding sort of, um, how can I put it? Just basically being out on the forefront and making sure that those who have been disproportionately impacted within our healthcare system can benefit from having direct access to free testing, COVID testing in their communities. So shout out to Charter Oak Health Center. Thank you so much for the work that you've done and Trinity Health Center as well. So 15, 50, uh, billion dollars for testing there. Um, one thing you should also know, although con congressional Democratic staffers have made significant headway in drafting this legislation that I just talked about, uh, there has been a pushback from some of our Republican friends um, as a result of the recently passed economic stimulus of $900 billion. As we return to more sobering um, sort of realities that we're all faced with. And that is the reality of our present circumstances. Our present circumstances. We are faced with a pandemic, um, an economic and racial crisis. So while we've turned the page of 2020, and we've gotten rid of the previous administration, and we have an administration that understands, quite frankly, the plight of the people here in the United States and even this world. And we are faced with many challenges, a pandemic, economic, and racial crises. But I, wanna, I, I, I want to really highlight what our president Joe Biden, uh, what he's calling for. He's calling for unity, and I agree with him 100%. And I quote, he shared with us a very, very important uh, quote during his, his inaugural speech. He said, the battle is perennial and the victory is never assured. Through civil war, the Great Depression, World War, 9-11, through struggle, sacrifices, and setbacks, our better angels have always prevailed. In each of these moments, enough of us, enough of us have come together to carry all of us forward. And we can do that now. We can do that now. I couldn't agree with him even more. Like, if, if we don't come together as a country, as a people, our friends, 
Democrats, Republicans, Independents, Progressive, all of us. Those of us who, quite frankly, say, I don't believe in none of that. I just want to kind of be committed to moving the people forward. You too. Come together. We can make this happen. And so I want some of the folks in Hartford, Connecticut, in Windsor, Connecticut, in Connecticut, Atlanta, Georgia, California, wherever you are viewing this. In each of these moments, enough of us, enough of us have come together to carry all of us forward. And we can do that now. That's what I want you to remember. So a few things in closing that I need you to know, right? Just so that while we're inside the room and you all are here and we're chilling, we got the lights, I got my, my clear water, right? I want you to know a few things and I want you to be educated so that when you are in conversation with folks, you know exactly what's happening as we continue throughout these 100 days. So here are a few things that you need to know. President Biden has asked the Senate to confirm his cabinet, which I started off with, and cabinet level nominees as quickly as possible. It's important. These folks will lead sort of the national education on education, housing, and you can name anything else. It's important that he pass those folks. And I think uh, by the time you hear this, I believe they all have been nominated, but I think it's important that you understand the importance of those nominations being confirmed. So far, the Senate has confirmed Avriel Haynes as director of the National Intelligence, all right? And this is really, this is a special moment for all of us. General Lloyd Austin as Secretary of Defense. Uh, I believe that he is the first black, for some of you other folks, the first African-American uh, to hold that very prestigious position. Uh, I also want you to know that Herons in the Senate and several of its subcommittees are scheduled in the coming weeks to consider more of President Biden's appointees. Many of President Biden's newly assembled team, which if you've seen any of CNN and any of Washington Post's and any of your, 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 your sort of local papers, you've seen Biden kind of talking to the screen, all of his staff zoomed in. He also shared a hard word with him. If, if, and I paraphrase, I think it was more along the lines, if any of you, if any of you, he said, and you can see him sort of facing sort of the screen, talking to his staff, do not uphold this, this fight of equity and ensuring that all voices are heard, then you're fired. He said it. And for me, that was so encouraging. I mean, four years, y'all, of just craziness, this is like a sigh of relief, all right? But he had a conversation with his team that represented it the firsts in federal government. Should her nomination be approved, the none other than the Honorable Marsha Fudge 
member of Delta, the Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, would be the first woman in over 40 years and second ever black woman in history to lead the Department of Housing and Development. If y'all know anything about me, I am the chair of Connecticut's Legislative Housing Committee. And that means a great deal to me to see not only a woman, but a black woman leading the charge. It, it, it just, ha! Ah! Anyway, sorry, vulnerable moment, I'm sorry. But um, Honorable Fudge, thank you. And I look forward to working with you and having you on, or rather inside the room to talk about the importance of having access to quality housing throughout the U.S. of A. Uh, so I look forward to conversing with you on the show. Um, we also have Catherine Tai, Biden's picked, pick to act as U.S. trade representative, uh, would likewise make history as the first Asian and first woman of color to serve in that role as well, should she be confirmed. Uh, so there are so many of the firsts within this Biden-Harris administration. But like I ended off on our second episode, talking about sort of the first 100 days of the Biden-Harris administration, I want you all to understand the importance of unity. I alluded to it a little bit earlier, but I want I want to end off with here in the state of Connecticut. Our leadership, our governor, our folk, they're all kind of, and myself included, Brandon McGee, with you inside the room, understanding the importance of unity. But I'd, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about if some of the folk on either side of the aisle aren't interested in unity. You, black and brown people, should understand the importance of being committed to the very work that we've been fighting for. That is, we have to continue working together as a community to ensure that the least of these are able to benefit from the work that we're doing. Whether it's policy making, organizing on the local level or the state level, you celebrities, my friends, using your platform to advance the least of these. Those who are unable to speak the truth to power that we talk about. That's unity. There's power in it. And so if you haven't heard anything else, I want you to understand the power in you speaking your truth to power and working together while you do it. So until then, I want you to uh, not only just join me in the room, <laughs> but I also want you to understand the importance of uplifting uh, your brothers and sisters. So in closing, a special thanks to our sponsor for this evening, or rather this week's episode on our YouTube channel, uh, FUBU Radio, iHeart Radio. Special shout out to Just Another Way We Survived, especially known as Jaws Barbershop in West Hartford, Connecticut. Thank you for the work you do, not only making me look fresh, 
But I also know sitting in that chair, Anthony Williams, you give a whole nother experience to just getting a haircut. You talk about life, you talk about culture, you talk about leadership, and you talk about politics. So shout out to you and thank you for your investment in Inside the Room with yours truly, Brandon McGee.